the hour is late and the moon is leering. If you feel as though you're being watched, you're right. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Starring Bess Lawson as Gilly O'Hare. Megan Stressman as Rusty Rattlesnake. Philip Stressman as Florence Beauregard. And James Kettler as every other person, living or dead. We open in the present moment at the Hollywood home of Landon Forsyth, where our camera swims through a dense crowd of what's-their-names making small talk. Our camera flows through this crowd of people like a salmon swimming upstream and settles on the double doors of Landon's sitting room, which are then thrown open by Florence Beauregard as she addresses the crowd. Welcome to all to my spiritual sanctorum uh, for our guests of honor and the direct participants in tonight's cosmic event. Please make your way to the table in the center of the room and place yourselves in the seat uh, appointed with your name. As Cliff, Inga, and Rudolph Myers brothers settle into their seats at the table in Landon's sitting room, our camera gets a crossfade wipe across the screen as those three faces are replaced by the faces of Rusty, Gilly, and Flo seated around the same table in the same room hours earlier. Rusty shoots his hand up in the air and waves it around. Uh, yeah, Rusty. Uh, can you, like, walk us through the process of the seance? Yeah, it's super simple, okay? what? So what, what I would have had it done in the past is I would have done a cold read, you know, get out some kind of name of some dead, some idiot's grandmother or something, whatever. They want to know where the, the her money is buried. Uh, you get a name out of them, give them a line of bullshit. Oh, I'm proud of you, you know, like, uh, I give you my blessing, for blah, blah, blah. Uh, real one, though, I guess Wally is the same stuff? <clears throat> if I may. Now, the ceremony to perform a seance is really quite simple. We will all sit down. As Florence said, we will shut off the lights and light some candles. Flame better than electric light conducts the spiritual energy. We will all sit 
and join hands. Now, this is very important. The joining of hands is key for the channeling of spirits. Rusty raises his hand again. Yes. Well, what happens if people let go? Well, the spiritual energy is going to be flowing from the channeler, in this case, Ms. Beauregard. Ms. Beauregard needs it. It's like an electrical circuit. That energy needs to flow through all of us and back to Florence so that it can be channeled properly. If anybody were to break hands with the group, it'd be like cutting a wire in a circuit. The connection would be severed immediately. Well, how do we make sure that doesn't happen? I don't know. Tell them not to let go? Have you ever met a cranky ghoul before? I can earnestly say I have not. <laughs> I already knew the answer. It was rhetorical. I might have something to help. I normally use this to glue doors shut or for sticky traps, but this is kind of a sticky trap. So, um, so Gilly uh, is digging through her bag full of like booby trap equipment, extra um, uh, stakes and everything, and pulls out like a dark brownish glass jar full of just like a white thick goo. <laughs> Beautiful. And Zep says, uh, "Ooh, that's a strong paste." So do we just what we just put it on the hors d'oeuvres and hope people get it on their hands, or? Well, perhaps you could dress it up as part of the ceremony. Okay, yeah, sure. It's a special, uh, it's a special conductive ointment. Question! Yeah. Are they gonna be suspicious when we put it on their hands and not on our own? I mean, I won't be sitting in the circle. I'll be hiding filming this whole thing. We'll just, uh, we can just put some cake frosting or something on our hands. We'll just have like a dummy paste. Gilly, you got any lotion in there? You know I never walk around with chapped hands. Perfect! (laughs) And with that, our camera flies up towards the ceiling of the room as the lighting subtly changes to show that time has passed. As it swings back down to face the table, it settles on a small, ornate porcelain bowl full of a mysterious, gooey white substance. To my honored guests, please, as you take your seats, Dip your left and right hand, respectively, in these specially ionically charged fluids that we have placed before you. That way, when we join hands, our spiritual energies will be perfectly aligned and flow continuously between all of us in a circle. As you all know, of course, circles are the most powerful shape, both in the cosmic world and in our own eternal bodies. Flo gives her instructions, and everybody in the circle exchanges a glance to their left and right. And our camera pans up to show the group all linking, gooey, sticky hands at the same time. Blossom, dead center across from Flo, flanked by the happy ghoul couple, Inga and Cliff. On Cliff's other side, we've got Rudolph Myers brothers, so all our baddies are tight in a row. Landon (laughs) and Mary Beth flank Inga and Myers brothers on the other side because y'all have made it very clear that you do not give a shit whether they live or die. Rusty cares about Mary Beth. Followed by (laughs) Wally and Rusty and then Gilly and Flo. All free from the glue, free to release at any time should things go haywire. 
Okay, you've got us all gathered round here. Hands joined, I'm feeling the vibes. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. This is so cool. I swear to God, I can already feel like the spiritual energy flowing through my hands and like cementing my hands to the people around me as the circuit completes. Wow. We see Flo's eyes silently scan the circle of marks surrounding her and then drift up to take in the crowd of people gathered to watch her performance. More people than have ever gathered to watch one of her performances, if we are being honest. (laughs) And she takes a deep breath and closes her eyes and exhales. And Rusty and uh, Gilly, you feel her squeeze your hands gently. And she says, um, gathered participants, and spiritually open-minded observers. I ask you now, please, to close your eyes. For those of you in the audience, I ask that you keep your minds as clear as possible. Imagine your thoughts as simple leaves drifting past you on a bubbling creek. To be observed, yes, but not to be focused on. For those of you at the table, I ask for the opposite. Focus as clearly as you can on one thought in particular, the loved one who has moved on that you wish to contact here. Now, I do not control the spirits of the other side. I am merely a conduit for their communication with those who they have lost. For when spirits move on, they lose us much in the same way that we lose them. And they are as eager to speak to you as you are to be spoken to by them. So I cannot guarantee who or what will arrive and answer our call. We must simply wait, focus our thoughts, and listen to what they have to say. Um, Gilly did not think about having to mentally participate in this. (laughs) And now that Flo has said all of those things, she is unhappy. She, whether or not this will actually involve her or not, she's like trying not to think about her brother. She did not think about the possibility of this. And so her brain is just going, Billy, no, Billy, no, (laughs) Billy, no. And she's like kind of cutting her eyes at Flo, but she's very conflicted because she doesn't want to throw anything off. So her eyes are just like darting all around. She looks like a crazy person. Rusty's thinking about his mom. And it's like, wait, no, my mom didn't die. That was a lie that I made up. That was a lie. Damn, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I believed in myself. Whoop, trick myself. Flo, you finish up your big speech and gaze out at your rapt audience. Everyone within your line of sight obeying your commands, eyes closed, thinking furtive thoughts. And you, you of course notice one eye still open. A single eye belonging to Wallace Patter Goodwin. Open to kind of give a prolonged wink to you that he knows what's up and to give silent direction to a tall, muscular man who ever so silently creeps across the room and hits a switch, a light switch on the wall that snuffs out every single trick candle in the room. Flo says, uh, I ask please for silence. 
spirits. If there is someone here present among us who wishes to communicate through me, give us a sign now. And upon hearing the words, give me a sign, you see Wally cock another eyebrow and the gentleman standing in the corner of the room out of sight of everybody else hits another mysterious switch and the fireplace erupts in flame. Oh, oh my goodness. God. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I didn't expect that. Did you that. feel that? There's a fireplace in here. Magic is real. <laughs> Ah, thank you, my ethereal traveler, for the gift of light and warmth and your participation. I will now try to glean from this spirit some aspects of its earthly identity as I attempt to bridge the gap between myself and them. And we see Flo, uh, now her eyes are closed, and we see her head tilt back slightly and like cock to one side uh, as though she's listening to something that no one else can hear. And she says, um, I'm getting the sense that the spirit was an elderly man. Blossom gasps. (gasps) Several people in the room also gasp. He's telling me a name. Silence, everyone. Trying to make it out. Sounds like it begins with a B or a D. (gasps) Blossom gasps again. Bernardo? Oh my God. Bernardo, is that you? Give us a sign. Bernardo, if, if that's you, tap twice on the table for yes. And if you're not Bernardo, I apologize. <laughs> Go ahead and give me one tap for a no. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut to underneath the table. <laughs> where yet another of Wallace's beautiful bedfellows is positioned underneath. Wally gives him a slight nudge with his foot underneath the table, and on cue, he gives two raps to the underside. And Blossom says, Bernardo! Oh my gosh, I knew it, it's Bernardo. Flo says, uh, Blossom, this is a a loved one of yours that you've lost? Yes, my pet gerbil, Bernardo. (laughs) An elderly man. (laughs) My sweet, sweet old man. I had him ever since I was a little girl. Wonderful. He lived to be 12 years old. That's insane for a gerbil. He was my little old man. I've missed him ever so much. Uh, Gilly is squeezing both hands, which are Flo and Wally, as hard as she possibly can. Flo Flo shakes off and (laughs) she nods solemnly and she says, yes. Some of you may be surprised, but on the other side, all languages become one. French, English, the 
the, the languages of the animals. I always knew I could understand him. Once a spirit has reached the ethereal plane, they all speak the shared language of the dead, which I and few other living people can understand. Blossom. Yes. Is there anything that you want to ask Bernardo? I guess, do all gerbils go to heaven? Or did did at least he go to heaven? Is he is is he happy? Is is he is he is he good? Is is he good? Flo uh, cocks her head as though she's listening again, and she says, uh, "He says that no, <gasps> some gerbils are bad <laughs> and do go to hell because of their behavior." Gilly's giggling. Yeah, Rusty's trying not to laugh. <laughs> For instance eating their own babies. But Bernardo says that he has been accepted into God's beautiful kingdom because he was a good, good gerbil. He was. He was so good. That's also why he lived so very long. <laughs> One time he ate a hole in my pillowcase, but I, I don't think that's probably a mortal sin. What's that, Bernardo? <laughs> Bernardo says he's sorry. Oh my goodness, I forgive you, baby. I love you so much. It's been weighing heavily on his mind. Oh. And uh, he is... Oh, oh, your forgiveness has given him peace. <laughs> I can sense him reascending to heaven where he lives. Oh, bye, buddy. I'll see you when I get there. All right, let's hope these spirits get larger as we go. <laughs> All right, everyone, need a hard reset? Don't let go of my hands. Don't, don't, do not break the circle. Now that we have opened this channel to the other side, if we break this circle without properly closing it, who knows what may have gotten through and remain trapped here with us? A malign spirit, perhaps, or something worse? Wolves? Wolves? <laughs> Rusty, when Flo says the words maligned spirit, you feel Mary Beth Summers squeeze your hand in surprise. And she says, oh, sorry. You okay? I'm fine. Mr. Meyer's brothers just got really tense when Flo said that, and he squeezed my hand really hard. Really? Yeah. He's a fucking weird one. <laughs> Let's keep the table talk to a minimum. I wasn't talking. <laughs> Spirits, are there any else among you who would like to make contact? If so, rap twice upon the table. And we once again hear the sound of one of Wally's beautiful boys knocking on the table from the other side. Not from... The other side, sure, from sure, the sure, other sure. side of the table. Twice. 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 Ah, I'm sensing a presence. This one definitely human-sized. <laughs> <laughs> Shade, speak to me. Tell me who you were and who you were close to. And Flo cocks her head again. Ah, I'm sorry. It's, it's a little upsetting. This one is a, a young woman. What is your name, my dear? 
can you, are you able to tell me in the language of the dead that you, you and also gerbils speak? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought you said all animals can speak the language of the dead. Yes, but none of the other ones have visited us yet today. Rusty, thank you <laughs> for the clarification. <laughs> I can see her mouth moving, but I can't yet hear the sound. She's making the shape of an M with her mouth. And Flo's going to open one eye and look significantly at Wally. Yeah, Wally, again, has had like his one eye open this whole time, and he's been scanning the crowd and seeing a lot of people kind of like making like a hmm face <laughs> and like seeing that no one's going to take the bait. And he goes, <gasps> Oh, Wally, is this shade known to you? Well, yes, um, well, could that name be... Maud. Flo closes her eyes again. But at first, um, she's going to give Wally, as soon as he says that, uh, an almost imperceptible wink for him to signal to the table boy. Wally winks back, which in this case is just him blinking because he just has the one eye open. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah, we hear once again the two raps of the table boy underneath. <gasps> Maud? Maud, is that truly you? And we see Wally's like leg just twitch after uh, there's no response for too long, and then there's two more raps from underneath the table. <laughs> so tragic to have lost one so young. Yes, yes. I, I can see, oh dear, her clothing is soaking wet. Yes, oh my goodness, it's my great aunt Maud, my grandmother's sister. She drowned when she was but a little girl. <gasps> Maud, why, uh, why have you visited us here? What unfinished business did you leave in your untimely passing? Oh, might it have something to do with the necklace my mother gave me? Yes, I see her hand now is raised and touching at her neck. I feel an absence there. She wants the necklace back? It seems like she wants the necklace back. The necklace I have round my neck right now? Flo hears Wally say that, and she says to herself, Okie dokie, let's get the real show started. Rusty and Gilly, you feel Flo's hands, uh, her fingers moving in yours as she forms the shapes necessary to cast the spell uh, and uh, you see her mouth move into a few simple shapes as she levitates the necklace off from around Wally's neck. <gasps> my word! And some people in the crowd peek and gasp as well. <gasps> oh my goodness! Oh, oh, Spirits! Spirits! I'm scared, Mama. Spirits are here! <laughs> uh, yeah, and we see, we see the necklace raise up over Wally's head and uh, hover away to take the form of it draping over unseen shoulders directly behind where Florence is sitting. God. Maud, it's yours. That's beautiful. Maud, she says, thank you, Wally. She says, and Flo tilts her head like she's listening, uh, towards where the necklace is. Mm-hmm. She says, 
She knows she cannot take it with her, but its earthly presence is comforting to her. It gives her peace. She says she just needed to wear it one more time. And now she can move on. And Flo's going to release the spell and the necklace falls to the floor behind her. Oh, 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 if only grandmother were alive to see it. Can I have it now? Flo's going to reach over with her foot and scoot the necklace <laughs> under her chair and then use her other foot to just kind of tuck it into her sock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, what a spectacular showcase of your abilities. Thank you so much, Cliff Brockton. Yaz, this is truly an incredible night and I'm so excited to be here for it. Yeah. Flo, Flo sh- shakes it off, shakes her, sh- her shoulders and gives uh, Gilly and Rusty's hands both... A little double squeeze, like a little yeah. positive squeeze. Yeah. Gilly's going to tickle the inside of Flo's palm. Yeah, yeah Rusty <clears throat> squeezes back. Flo looks directly at Rudolph Meyers Brothers. Her face communicating the supreme confidence she now feels. And she says, uh, okie dokie, things are starting to get interesting now. Yeah, he is staring straight at you, even in this like dimly lit seance room with only the the light of the fireplace illuminating everything, you can still tell that there is a a distinct level of shine across Rudolph Meyers Brothers' entire forehead. If he were a cartoon character, there'd be, you know, the sweat droplets like flying out in every direction. Uh Uh-huh. Like a manga drawing with that one huge, like, teardrop shape in front of his face. Yes. Um, I sense that there are other spirits in our presence, eager to make themselves known. Let's not keep them waiting, for they've waited long enough. (laughs) Gilly's doing a little shimmy in her seat. Blow closes her eyes again and exhales slowly. And she says, "Um, I will once more cast my line into the ethereal waters of the astral plane and open myself to communication from one who lingers here. So, Flo, warmed up now, is going to attempt to actually conjure the spirit of Maddie. And we cut back in time once again to our heroes gathered in Landon's sitting room, establishing their plan. Oh, oh yeah, and uh, we went on a, a little quest of ourselves, and Rusty holds up a, a burlap sack and then just starts shaking it around so you can hear it. So that Flo can hear the bones rattling. Uh, uh. (laughs) I know it sounds weird and it probably looks weird. It smells terrible. And then uh, Rusty opens up the burlap sack and shows Florence. We got the bones. We got somebody's bones. In the basement. And we we cut to (laughs) Flo's face 
the bag open before her, like I think glowing in her face like the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> uh, and we cut from her her face to a shot of the inside of the bag. And inside the bag, resting atop all of the other bones, we see a, a small skull in a page boy cap staring back up at Flo. And then we cut back to Flo's face and the camera zooms slowly in on her face. And we cut back to the skull with the camera zooming slowly on the skull. And we cut back and forth and back and forth (laughs) until finally we cut all the way inside of Flo's mind. And we're back inside that spotless 1920s kitchen. And we see the stove in front of us. Our camera slowly zooms in on it. And we hear that gas leak again, hissing in the background. And then we hear a clicking start. And then we cut back to Flo looking in the bag. And Rusty puts his hand on Florence's back and is like, listen, we just wanted you to, we know that Maddie's your assistant now. And we thought that if we got their bones and we brought them here tonight, that uh, we could summon Maddie and everyone could know the truth about their disappearance and what happened to them. Now you impressed that the little hat still stays on the head even though there's no skin or anything on it? Because I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yes, Gilly. Thank you. Impressed is the emotion that I am feeling currently. Looking at that skull. It's weird being down there talking to Maddie's ghost with the skull stuck in the wall. It didn't really seem that real. And now looking at their little remains unceremoniously dumped into a burlap sack. I feel exactly the same as I did before. Let's go inside. (laughs) And we cut once again back to the present. Our camera starting in that chandelier position like it's hanging from the ceiling until quickly it dives down through the table in a what lies beneath style shot, revealing the burlap sack full of bones at Flo's feet underneath the table. Flo places her foot against the bag of bones and she sort of like feels around on the bag with her foot. Uh, until she feels it rest on what feels like a hat on top of a skull. All right, my little friend, time to make things interesting. Flo is going to reach out psychically to the spirit of Maddie. Yeah, Flo, you alone see from underneath the table, from inside that bag of bones, slowly rise a figure up through the center of the table, ever so slowly, phasing through it, the shape of a paperboy hat, followed closely behind by Maddie's head and face. And they say, uh, whoa, oh, I'm not in the bone room. Oh, Flo! Hey! Hi! Hi, Miss Beauregard! Flo is trying as hard as she can to, like, keep her smile. <laughs> and keep her game face on, she makes eye contact with Maddie and she just gives them a little wink. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing? What's the bit? What am I I doing? Wow, there's a lot of people here. Holy cow. Oh my gosh, it's everybody I know. Flo says, um, hello, spirit. And she's like, she winks again. And she says, uh, hello. (laughs) uh, (laughs) And she says, um, I, I sense 
great sadness in you, one who was taken so young and tragically. Maddie's like just staring at you wide-eyed and like putting together the pieces as you say them. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spirit, are you able to speak and tell me your name, the name that you were known by in our earthly tongue? Yeah, oh, could you not, could, could you not hear me before? Oh, 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 right, 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 right. M- M- Maddie. Flo's just like pressing her lips together. <laughs> I'm sensing a letter M. From the side of the table containing Cliff and Rudolph Myers brothers, you can all start to feel just like some light tugs. Just like in your hands, just some light like... Pull it, just pull in a little bit, just kind of tensing and untensing. Hold tight, friends. Be sure not to break the circle. It's most important. The spirits could end up trapped here with us and us with them. I'm sensing the name, um, ma, uh, ma. Landon blurts out, Maddie! <gasps> Maddie! Maddie the intern? Oh my oh, god. Yes. What? Maddie the intern. Their face. As soon as you said that, Landon, their face became crystal clear to me. Ah, dang. Wait, they're dead? I thought they were on vacation. I was really hoping they had become a shoeshine. I feared the worst, though. That's why I was thinking of them. It appears that tragedy did struck after all. Oh. I hate it when that happens. Since we are so blessed as to be visited by a spirit so close to so many of us here, for those of you in the audience, this spirit was a co-worker and dear friend of ours. Yeah, we know we're all from the same movie. We all know Maddie. Okay, I don't know you, so. <laughs> <laughs> and Flo says, um, I think it would be a blessing and a salve for all of our wounded souls to be able to communicate with our dear friend one more time. I will bring this spirit forth into the world of human eyes and ears and and senses. Rusty's gonna look over at Cliff and Inga and Mr. Myers brothers to see if they're freaking out a little bit more. Yeah, uh, you can see Rudolph Myers brothers like shifting really, really uncomfortably in his seat, just back and forth and like periodically whispering things to Cliff, who is uh, not even bothering to dismiss him anymore and is just staring at Flo with rapt attention. Rusty's smiling. And we cut back to a stage at a small parochial theater. Where Florence Beauregard uh, sits on a stool in a long, simple black dress in front of an incredibly sparse audience. And we see her eyes closed, her hands at the sides of her head. And she says, I will make the spirit known to you all now. (laughs) Show yourself to us. And she opens her mouth as wide as she can. And we see... Uh, from our perspective, we uh, we see a, a like a stagehand garbed person, like head to toe in black, directly behind her, lift up a mannequin head, done up like a Roman general, 
covered in mucilin cloth with mucilin cloth pulling from behind Flo's head to connect it to the mannequin head as though it's coming out of her mouth. And then we hear a polite, quiet round of applause from the audience. And uh, we cut back to now. And Flo says to herself, uh, okie dokie, the things that I do work when they're real, I just gotta do them. Here we go. And Flo opens her mouth as wide as she can and attempts to summon the ectoplasm. Yeah, you feel a a sensation start to come over you as you like- I'm feeling a sensation start to come over me. <laughs> As you ready yourself in this position, you feel like like pins and needles in your chest, you know, almost like like there's a spot in your chest that's asleep. And you feel it move from your chest up your throat and like into the center of your face. This tingling sensation. And as it grows a little bit stronger and stronger, you realize it's making you feel like you have to sneeze. Ah. Ah. Ew. Yes. Flo, are you okay? Get it out already. Flo? Flo! <laughs> and like a Sailor Moon transformation, that bright white ectoplasm flies out of Flo's face and wraps itself around the form of Maddie the intern, who, almost in sync with it, does like a nice little twirl in the air as the ectoplasm wraps around them and they come into clear focus. Hi, everybody! <gasps> Hi, Maddie. Maddie. Hello. Oh my gosh, it's all my old friends. It's so good to see everyone again. I'm so sorry you're dead. Oh yeah, it's not great, but I'm here. I'm here now. That's Hi. right, you are. Hey guys, what's up? I'm, I mean, what's up with you? What happened to you? Can you tell us all? Yeah, I can, I, I can tell you guys what happened to me. And at that moment, Rudolph Myers Brothers rises from the table and says, uh, All right, all right, I think that's enough of this fancy show. I'm a busy man. And Cliff Brockton yanks down hard on Rudolph's hand, and he uh, kind of lands like a toddler uh, <laughs> falling on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. I want to see this. This isn't your fucking show anymore. Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> Need to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, you were saying? Well, I was leaving the film set, and uh, somebody that I didn't see knocked me upside the head. <gasps> That's horrible. Violence. I didn't see who did it, and I didn't really see uh, anything after that because... Well, it killed me. Mm. As fatal blows so often do. But I woke up later, like this, as you all see me now, in a spooky place, a spooky room underground. Maddie, was it a bone room? It was, <gasps> I mean, I, it was covered in bones, so one could call it that. Oh, God. What a coincidence. And I think, I think I saw someone. <gasps> coming into the bone room. Go ahead. 
the bone. Gilly's just like leaning as far forward possible as she could. Maddie, who was it? Who came in the bone room? And Maddie, uh, dramatically, in their best impression of like a movie specter, thrusts a finger out dramatically at a member of the circle. And they say, it was Rudolph Myers Brothers. Rudy. Rudy, it was you? Uh, that doesn't, all that proves is that I was, first of all, it doesn't prove anything, but if it did prove something, it would prove that I was perhaps in this, 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 this bone room, as you called it, but, uh, I mean, come on, are we really gonna trust this person's identification skills? So there's not a underground bone room underneath Myers Brothers Studio, and you can't get there? From underneath Blossom's desk? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, is that the place you send me to dust? I hate going down there. It's so <laughs> spooky. Blossom! And you always make me dust in complete darkness because I'm not supposed to see what's down there. And I'm like, how am I supposed to dust? Quiet, you! <laughs> how scandalous. Are you a serial killer? <laughs> I am no such thing. You have nothing on me, and I do not have to stand. I mean, sit for this. And Rudolph rises again, and Cliff once again, like, as soon as Rudolph stands up, Cliff yanks him back down and says, Now, now, Rudolph, it sounds like you've got a lot you need to answer for. And Rudolph is just, like, Rudolph and Cliff, their eyes are locked with each other. And Rudolph's eyes are wider staring into Cliff's than you have ever seen them. And Cliff says, uh, Maddie, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. It's terrible to hear what Mr. Myers Brothers has done. Ms. Beauregard. Yeah, huh? I mean, uh, yeah, I, yeah, yes, yes. I feel it's our responsibility at this point to get to the bottom of Mr. Myers Brothers' crimes. Cliff? I could not agree more. Well, Mr. Brockton, you were down there too. Yeah, you were down there. What were you doing down there, Mr. Brockton? Well, yes, I was in the bone room. <laughs> Why this calling it the bone room is so funny. However, there are some questions about that room that I would frankly like answered myself. <gasps> the floor is yours. But stay where you are. <laughs> Mr. Myers Brothers, what exactly is the purpose of this bone room? Hmm? Why is it a bone room anyway? What are you doing putting all those bones in your walls? Hmm? Of the room. The, wa the walls of the room. Of the bone room. Walls of the bone room. We call it the bone room. And the bone wall. The bone walls. The bone floor. The bone well, I think. I mean, I'm, I don't really know, but it felt like while my bones were in there, I was stuck in there. And there was this other presence, other than Mr. Myers' brothers and Mr. Brockton, this strange, dark presence that I could feel while I was in the room. And the longer I was in there, the more it felt like, like I was slipping away. But... It didn't feel like I was going anywhere. It was like there was something in that room that was trying to keep me there. Yes. 
Interesting. Flo's starting to get antsy because no one's paying attention to her anymore. Um, <laughs> so she says, uh, yes, it is interesting. I think that we should hear the perspective of someone else involved in this sordid little story. I could not agree more. Maddie, before you go... No, Maddie can hang around. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, well, all right. I just wanted to say... <laughs> I'm sorry for what happened to you. And you all look at Cliff, and despite the clear, weaselly way he's trying to frame this... Mm -hmm. When he says the words, I'm sorry, you can all tell that he kind of means it. Really? That slight smirk in the corner of his mouth disappears on those words specifically. I think Rusty looks at Gilly, and they both roll their eyes. Yeah. Would anyone like to hear my defense? Frankly, not no. right now. No. 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 no this isn't no. a trial. It's a seance, you big goon. <laughs> you don't know how seances work. <laughs> on which subject? I summon now another spirit. I summon the spirit of Inga Gelbrot. <gasps> oh my word. Cliff, what is she talking about? I don't know, dear, but I think we're about to find out. Cliff, what does she mean? She's got, I'm right here. You, can, you can't summon my spirit. I'm right here. I really think that I ought to... Sit down, Rudolph. Flo closes her eyes and casts her psychic energies back into the astral plane. This time... Without a line, without a lure. She doesn't have the bones here to facilitate this channeling. But she casts her mind psychically to the other side. And she simply calls out with her mind's voice. Inga Galbrot. Want to come to a party? You cast your mind's eye out into the astral plane. And we cut to the perspective of your mind's eye. As you, flow, kind of stand alone in this inky black void, calling out into the darkness. And after a few moments, you hear a sound. It starts out almost imperceptible and slowly begins to get louder and louder, like an echo happening in reverse until finally you hear a voice say, Yeah, I think I can do that. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria was edited by James Kettler and produced by Philip Stressman with additional sounds provided by Zapsplat.com. Monster of the Week Tabletop RPG was written and created by Michael Sands. Join us again next week for more 
Phantasmagoria. And until then, be chill and stay dangerous.